Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. And now to today's episode. You know, I love speaking to Sopnendu. He's a technologist. He understands fintech. He understands blockchain technology. And he's my go-to guy when it comes to really understanding how this is fitting in at sovereign level and, and supranational level and all of these systems like the BIS and how big governments are thinking about this technology. And we've had a horrific year in 2022. I want to get the, the kind of state of the union to see how he's thinking about things, where he sees things going, where the opportunities are. And I'm really interested in his recent trip to India because that's something close to my heart as well. The world of crypto is an incredibly exciting journey that we're all going on together. We don't know where it's leading to, but we know it's going to be absolutely massive. Join me, Ral Pal, as I guide you on our adventure to discover just what this new world will look like. So, Nendo, fantastic to see you back. Oh, wonderful to be back to your studio talking to you. Uh, we missed a couple of, in a month, you're trying to catch up with us, uh, with you on the schedule. It's just wonderful to see you back again. Yeah, great. And there's a lot to catch up because it's a while since we spoke and you're always busy, always a pioneer, always doing incredible things. So what have you been up to? I'd love well, to hear. I know that's a very broad subject, but start well, anywhere and no, we'll dig in. Absolutely. Because... Um, we're in interesting times. The whole crypto f- uh, fiasco, then cam- comes this um, uh, massive uh, correction on the technology, broader landscape, jobs uh, getting getting cut. And um, and then same time, uh, when I was in India, I was talking to you, uh, my optimism of what technology can do just went 10x times what I saw in India. Uh, so, so it's not bad when you balance out a good news, bad news, uh, and you think about how future will look like. We will we'll dig into India in a bit, but the how is the mood in in Singapore? Because you know you're at the forefront yourself, helping drive Singapore forward, and then you know crypto market has its massive correction. We've got the frauds and all of the things that. We've seen in the past, but it's a function of the space still as it's early. And as you say, technology, you know, is is going backwards in terms of not the technology itself, but in terms of the shares. How do how do your colleagues and the country? How does that feel about it? Are they they're long term players, and they're like, this is fine, you know, it's part, all part of it. You know, Raul, that's a that's a question now. It's a difficult question now because uh, uh, despite uh, you. When somebody thinks about technology uh, ten, five years, ten years down the line, uh, the risk of failure uh, from a public policy perspective uh, is quite, you know, it's quite um, expanded uh, in terms of how people perceive uh, a public policy officer like me pursuing a certain technology stack because. Uh, it is okay for a private sector um, uh, to indulge in a, an experiment which could lead to billions of dollars being, uh, you know, being lost. Uh, but when it comes to public sector uh, technology policy, uh, picking up such technology uh, quite all early on, uh, quite uh, early in the game, has own risk. And uh, as you know, we have been experimenting with uh, a whole range of digital technology from digital asset tokenization to DLT network and uh, um, CBDCs. Uh, definitely uh, a lot of questions being asked. 
as we expect public to be ask raising questions concerns uh, on such technologies uh, future of course the private of course the market itself uh, went through massive uh, turbulent times and as a regulators uh, we also also went through a, 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 a series of measures which we have to introduce uh, last year uh, to ensure consumers are not exposed to uh, such a risk but still uh, uh, it's a, it's a challenge i must say uh, and it is definitely i will say the setback um, and uh, from singapore perspective we continue to be focused on the experiment part of this journey we continue to look at use cases which makes sense to us uh, for example uh, things like project mariana which we uh, started last year to explore the use of such technology this asset for automated market makers uh, settling this assets uh, for uh, financial instruments but uh, but 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 it's challenging i must say it's challenging it's it's not Although, easy. to be fair singapore's done a good job i mean it's you've not you've your regulation mm. has held up well the mm. you know the the exchanges you've overseen and the participants you've overseen you know yeah. you, you, you've been good. good in your selection process and yeah. and how you've regulated i think uh but things like even even forget forget about uh, the the crypto market even things like uh, the uh, the Australian stock exchange upgrade uh, to the new technology which they had to stop a massive uh, massive impact on the tech stack itself uh, so it's it really uh, comes at a stage when you have both the financial instrument and underlying technology uh, getting into a lot of question mark so so this this I, mean, I agree with is a part of this whole journey and uh, singapore will always try to keep itself ahead in this journey uh, we will continue to experiment but definitely i would admit it has it has put some some roadblocks some uh, some thoughtful rethinking some of the strategies but i don't think uh, we will abandon uh, this whole journey in this space uh, but uh, we will see how, how it goes. But definitely, we are still on track on some few of the projects I, I just mentioned. So, um, would you mind talking people through the Australian example? Because I think it was interesting because they were trying to pioneer and then basically said, "No, we can't do it." So what was, from your perspective, what was what what was that about? And I mean, Raul, I mean, I, I I don't know the details of what went wrong. But if you read what comes out is coming on the press. It, it was a long multi-year project and this a lot of money was spent and then there was a step back and saying look this is not a viable project uh, and uh, the tech stack which they chose uh, was not uh, able to execute the back-end uh, efficiencies they're looking for well there could be many uh, way to process this uh, and especially uh, some learnings out there because if you are running a multi-year project uh, one thing I have learned is that you pick your use, you, you take a use case and you split into the lowest possible logical um, blocks of, of functionality and you start delivering them in pieces and eventually we're going to stick it together. But when you bring the whole thing together and try to shift, it has its own challenges. I would say in hindsight, that could be one of the learning, but I'm not... Uh, exactly sure what went wrong beyond that broader thing, broader uh, statement that it was uh, not delivering to its uh, requirement and they had to leave the project uh, unfinished with millions of dollars being spent and that did raise did a lot of question on the viability of the tech stack itself does blockchain really solves uh, some of the promise of uh, back-end efficiencies uh, uh, which comes with it uh, but I don't think we should be blaming the technology per se because we've got to think carefully. There could be external factors which drove to that conclusion rather than the technology itself. Uh, and it's worth studying and we and we will study that whole piece of uh, journey and try to learn from that. But uh, it has put significant uh, stress on corporates adopting uh, blockchain as part of that tech stack. Yeah. It still feels to me that the hypothesis that the securities industry will move to blockchain over time 
just for settlement efficiencies, cash payment efficiencies, ownership efficiencies, seems to stand up, but maybe the technology is not fast enough, the throughput not, mm. you know, the TPS not high enough, there's some... No, that, that, absolutely. I'm not, Raul, um, I'm not saying in any, any way that uh, the technology has failed completely, uh, but it, but this whole project does teach us some of the way we go about implementing things. We are pursuing in our project experiment called Project Mariana, the whole uh, settlement, uh, FX settlement for exchanging assets on the network. Well, that little project on its own seems to be making things more efficient. Now, when you scale it in production grade settlement process, we go to see that uh, what are the other ch tech challenges which comes with that. But that's a journey any tech stack has to go through uh, rather than putting a conclusion ahead of uh, ahead of that, that piece of trialing and checking and upgrading the tech stack. So anyway, uh, uh, what, I was, what I was trying to say that uh, that project was kind of a, had a huge expectation from the market that if it, it if it was successful, it could have created a global benchmark of uh, how you move your uh, backend security settlement infrastructure to this new tech stack. Uh, but that didn't happen. I'm sure um, all of us who are in this tech, tech stack journey will look at it and see where we can go with this. And so you think maybe the way forward is to be more specific and yes. smaller, more granular, yes, test that, prove it, expand, yes. as opposed yes. to try and build your whole tech stack in one go. Yeah. I mean, if Raul... Because I mean, then you, you can fail small. Forget about blockchain as a technology. Any project, when you do a huge, single, large chunk migration, the risk of failure is always there. It can be become very, it can become very expensive, uh, doesn't matter what tech stack you're using, it can also fail. So I think there's some foundational basic project management uh, learning out there. Uh, how, uh, what, what can be used as a as a as a as a, as a framework to implement uh, large tech upgrades. So what parts of DLT are you still experimenting with? We are still experimenting with the core tech stack uh, settlement part. Um, asset tokenization on the network. We're still on to those, those things. Uh, talk, talk, talk to me about the asset tokenization because, you know, a lot of people have talked about this for a long time. I first, when I first got into the space, I thought this is where it's going to go. It's not got there yet, but it's getting there. How, how are you seeing that space develop? So if you do a table and you think about fixed value and variable value, and you put all the possible uh, on on your on your on your left side of the table uh, from uh, from uh, tokenizing uh, currencies to tokenizing assets, and uh, look at uh, look at what instrument is is helping that whole process. I think there is this there is this trend uh, where we can see that. The focus on privately issued payment token definitely will see a huge pause. But when there is an effort to tokenize a reference ownership of an asset or natively issuing an asset on a blockchain network like a token, those two bucket which has got that uh, variable value uh, will see a progress because that's the only one which doesn't impact monetary policy. It doesn't impact uh, finan existing financial system. Uh, the only impact it has is making the existing asset ownership more efficient and the payment uh, process which goes with that more efficient. I think that safe boundaries of those two asset class does allow the, the 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 all the technologists working in this space to narrow down and focus on that. So by virtue of that that safe the safe space, I see that's moving that kind of moving forward with the technology we have today, because people will step out uh, of uh, the, the 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 payment instrument part of the asset tokenization.
they will shift to this reference uh, reference ownership asset uh, experiments or or even deployment now that lives that lives on the payment side the cbdc's uh, which we'll talk about i guess in our discussion but i'm going to keep it separate exactly right the settlement layer i think the cbdc's i know this is probably contentious is probably a better way of doing it because it's the government on ramp and off ramp and they feel comfortable with monetary policy and the control over that element. Yeah. And then everything else, uh, you know, what you can use blockchain for gets interesting. Um, I, I have a feeling that I'm, I'm very closely watching NFTs mm. and not in the, you know, art collecting or community space, but the fact that this is a contract mm. that is recorded, transferable, and that there are many use cases that, even, you know, in your kind of remit of fintech, that it feels that things like insurance contracts, mm. derivative contracts, and others mm. fit mm. well into that technology. Again, that's outside of the the, the currency element, but mm. just an efficient way of recording, transferring. How are you thinking of NFTs? Or you just throw it all in as part of the same thing? NFTs, for me, NFT... Um which which is which is the second bucket of that asset ownership, which is the natively issued tokens. Uh, uh, it's almost like uh, a company is issuing uh, equity directly into the blockchain network, and that piece of uh, code represents that asset ownership. So it has been kind of diluted by this whole um, uh, art collective collectibles and all this thing in the network. But assuming that piece of technology is now becoming or in future will become a way people will uh, issue ownership uh, on their assets. Uh, definitely, it is promising. Uh, what we got to see, whether by virtue of issuing on the network, does it make that whole process of ownership and transfer and settlement super efficient? Uh, on, on face of it, it looks, yes, uh, why not? Because the NFTs, at least from a tech stack perspective, seems to be efficient. Uh, you can buy and settle and 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 exchange NFTs super efficiently today on existing um, apps. So, uh, what can we do uh, to move that uh, that tech piece of technology and piece of process uh, to financial instrument? Uh, so that's that's what I meant by the second bucket was actually in a way you can say NFTs uh, in in current form. The the issue which I think we got to answer there uh, is. Uh, can existing payment infrastructure uh, uh, still interact with this NFT world, which lives and operates on the DLT network as a mechanism for settling payment on when you transfer NFT from A to B? Now, do you need a native uh, uh, coin of that network to facilitate this transfer of assets on the network? Now, uh, some of the answer uh, we, people are thinking about will CBDC form that role or a stable coin, let's say from so-called stable coin to well-regulated stable coin, will that uh, be the preferred financial instrument or payment instrument which will facilitate such network uh, uh, on that network for, for transferring the asset? So I think that's still a work in progress. But definitely at this point in time, I can say with all uh, certainty, the role of privately issued uh, uh, money is close to zero, uh, at least from a public policy perspective. When you talk uh, about privately, like private like money, to stable yeah, coin. Like, yeah, no, I, I think I still believe stable coin is somewhere in the cusp of being a regulated uh, money, uh, which happens, which backed by well-regulated assets sitting in some custody or some asset, some trust bank. And I'm keeping stablecoin away from the pure Bitcoin uh, money. Uh, but the role of the Bitcoin type money being used to uh, buy and sell uh, such asset um, is, is, is questionable now. And how about things like Ethereum where you're renting the network by... I, that, the, the, I, I classify that as a... I classify that as a utility token. Yeah. As long as these coins stay within the network and they do not contaminate the currencies 
I think it's okay. I think the challenge is when this 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 uh, coins has its life of its own, which goes outside the network and become a speculative asset. As long as you are buying Ethereum and this they're being used for driving application development, you know, all the gas fee for doing your real work, it is okay. The challenge is what happens beyond that. I think that's where the issue has been till now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So let's dig into stable coins mm-hmm. and CBDCs. So obviously people want regulated stable coins just because there's so much uncertainty around some of the mm-hmm. stable coins out there. And you've been, you know, a huge driver behind the CBDC uh, you know, global initiative. Mm-hmm. So catch us up with where you think everybody is with CBDCs, and then we'll use that as a stepping off point into India in a minute. Yes, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Well, CBDC, as you know, uh, we have this two clear-cut bucket. There's this uh, wholesale CBDC, uh, which is kind of uh, an efficiency uh, infrastructure uh, along with the payment infrastructure uh, for for cross-border settlement. I think uh, BIS uh, has done enough, many experiments, I would say, in many countries. In fact, most of the major mainstream uh, economy has have now experimented with the wholesale piece and they have put reports uh, and demonstrated successful uh, possible uh, future infrastructure which will run on wholesale CBDC, especially for cross-border payment settlement. Um, BIS has its own project uh, which they're looking at um, the whole uh, uh, multi-jurisdiction uh, uh, MCBDC uh, kind of product uh, architecture. If multiple central bank have to participate uh, using CBDC as a way to uh, settle cross-border payments between different countries, um, so that's where wholesale CBDC has gone. Uh, on the retail CBDC, uh, if I'm not mistaken, sorry, just one uh, quick question about the wholesale. How far away do you think we are before we launch some global initial initiative so we can do this, you know, wholesale settlements and payments? I would, I would say from an experiment perspective, it has kind of everybody has run through that course. I think there is nothing left uh, in public space between central banks and technology and experiment where we got to do more experiment. I think that phase is done now. To implement a wholesale CBDC, you need a a bunch of things to happen before that. And one of the things which has to happen is that to how do you connect the domestic payment infrastructure, the underlying hardware infrastructure between multiple countries. I think my sense is it will go through that process. Project Nexus, for example, which BIS has started, it talks about uh, how do we connect domestic payment rails. Back off, again, Singapore played uh, some role there because we connected uh, to Thailand, now to India, On uh, is now, is now under, waiting to get launched um, with Malaysia. So first uh, layer of this will be the Nexus kind of project where uh, you will see multiple jurisdiction connecting the domestic rails uh, so that money can be transferred from almost like a domestic payment transfer. And then when it comes to the settlement piece, there will be this second stage uh, where they will explore to deploy a wholesale CBDC as a form of settlement coin. But that will happen if the first one becomes um, uh, becomes uh, uh, successful. So I, I so so I think uh, uh, that's where the journey is. The good news about wholesale CBDC Raul, is that the mainstream central bank are engaged in this process. BIS is engaged in the process. So there is this safety net of very thoughtful regulatory participant 
uh, who are making this go to the next step. So I would predict it should not be that far off to think uh, that you will see a production grade wholesale CBDC being deployed uh, across the border payment. And would it yeah. use multiple blockchains or is there a... It will be, it will be multiple blockchain because by... it will be. I think that as a central bankers, we think about interoperability as a part of the principle. Uh, we will uh, mandate uh, as a collective wisdom that countries can choose what what network they want to choose, what technology they want to choose to tokenize those uh, coins. Uh, but it has to have the principle of interoperability as part of that design. Yeah, because if you're running on one blockchain, mm -hmm. which is a um, <coughs> public blockchain, and somebody else is running on some private yes. infrastructure, they yes. need, if not, we yes. don't have a settlement layer. We, we got to have interoperability. I mean, part of the work uh, was done in... Uh, and if you if if your if your users want to understand more, I will strongly um, um, your 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 viewers want to know. I will strongly recommend them to go to a, a, a website called Partior, uh, P A R T I O T I O R, which is a joint venture of DBS, JP Morgan, and Temasek, which actually talks about a public infrastructure infrastructure market infrastructure, which allows such uh, such kind of uh, uh, infrastructure to be built on. So, so there is this real uh, investment uh, uh, and development going in the space, uh, which is, makes it much more real than other things. And, okay, let's move on to the private. So, no, so before that, uh, the retail CBDC. Yes, that's what I mean, the retail CBDC, sorry. Yes. I think that's, that's interesting because almost... Uh, all central bank, including us, uh, we did not uh, see a need for retail CBDC because our domestic uh, payment system have become super efficient. Zero, zero cost, three clicks, money is moving instantly. There's no, no real need uh, for a retail CBDC. But I was in uh, India. India launched their retail CBDC. Uh, we'll talk about it. It's just impressive that that test they're doing on production. It just blew my mind out that what can be done with that. Uh, so, for so, yeah, talk talk me through that. What what is but, the difference, right? So it's very subtle, like a payment system like UPI in India or the or the payment system you've got in Singapore. But you're saying, wow, this whole CBDC retail yeah. blew me away. How? Why? What did it well, do? Well, the little story because I was. I mean, when I'm a Singaporean, <laughs> I was traveling to India and uh, I have a bank account in India. So I requested um, uh, RBI and my the Indian bank where I have an account for to, and I want to participate in a closed group testing they have launched on the on the EUP thing. First thing, the, when the moment it, I got into that app, it was a delightful app. And I was thinking uh, that uh, it's just a little bit of a... Uh, piece of, uh, you know, a cute piece of application. But when I started playing around, means my brain started racing around, what can it do uh, uh, in that space? Because what in that experiment, it's almost like, that, I mean, it is like they've taken the sovereign currency and they have tokenized that, uh, issued uh, the e-rupee uh, through that bank as a distrib distributed uh, distributing channel, so the banks have issued the app. If you, you get into the app, you take money from your bank account using the UPI rails. And interesting, they're using UPI under underlying infrastructure, UPI rail, and you buy this uh, tokenized cash on your wallet. Now, you would wonder what beyond that, what can you do with that? Yeah, because I, UPI is so good. Yeah, so good. Now, because that uh, that that cash, which is in your in your in your um, in your uh, wallet, uh, it doesn't it becomes a payment process now. Now, when I'm sending that money to you, for example, in that closed group uh, um, testing, it is not going through some account debits anymore. It is just a simple cash exchange happening between two of us. It definitely brings down the underlying infrastructure cost, especially for low value payments, for the low value payments. 
because now we are not debiting account, you know, settling in things, pure cash to cash transfer. So it's acting, acting like notes and coins. Yes. And in fact, it has got a coin, it's got a note, um, it has got all the denomination and you can actually hold coins like a stack of coins. And, and I think they're still in the process of putting a whole set of use case. And I just, for, I mean, I was thinking forward looking, for example, if there is no internet and uh, you go to a remote place and you don't have access to internet, you can't use UPI rails to pay somebody. And if you have money in your wallet uh, with those cash sitting there, you can actually transfer to each other, pay that bill at a merchant terminal using NFC uh, enabled transfer. Well, they have not done it now, but I think there's a future plan to bring it part of that thinking. So offline payments becomes a huge, huge. Today, off, we must not dismiss the number of offline payments which happens in a large country like India. Now, if this becomes an answer to that, and I'm pretty sure if this process is as frictionless as I saw, people will perhaps get out of holding paper notes, get into this mode of this form factor. And that could be many social reasons. It could be security, it could be safety, it could be uh, contingency, especially in a, in a where you are not sure of, about the, infra, the internet infrastructure. It could be very well um, some amount of anonymity if there's a need for such value, of tra value transfer. It, it dramatically creates the market infrastructure you need to replace expensive, risky paper note process. And for a large country like India, it takes India to the next layer of market infrastructure of payment processing. Because you just took billions of cash into this new tech, tech stack and made it make it made uh, uh, efficient, useful, relevant to those segment of population who still believe uh, uh, holding offline payment as the preferred mode of, tra of, of, of transfer. So, so, so to me, that's, uh, and, and who knows, and I asked the question, can, can I buy NFT using this uh, tokenized cash? I think the, the answer would be yes, why not? Uh, it, this could be an answer to that uh, question that uh, can this operate on a network where where nft can be used buying this e rupee if there's an nft in that in that market for uh, which can use e rupee as where to buy and sell this uh, this assets so what india showed has shown that it has taken a step forward uh, putting a serious effort uh, in building an infrastructure uh, in this direction of retail cbdc if a large country like India adopts this, it becomes a mainstream tech stack. And same thing China has done. I mean, I have not seen the Chinese uh, ERMB personally because uh, I wish I, I can I can I can go to China and see that. Uh, I, I what I can what I'm hearing, they also have built a similar infrastructure. Could be a different model. I don't know. But what I'm seeing is two large market China India have taken a step forward in taking the tech components of the crypto world. And now they're applying seriously to remove the last mile inefficiency in the payment space, which is cash. It's incredible. There's, um, you know, it's weird because when you get to the Western world, everyone's like privacy, how dare you do this? You know, I'm half Indian. I spend a lot of time there. And people don't understand, you know, the scrumpled up rupee note system and- yeah. You know how middlemen get in the middle of this whole system was a was desperate for for overhaul. And if you ask an Indian, I was speaking to our CTO at Real Vision, who's also Indian, about what it's like being in India right now because he's he's moved back there. He's like, you know, the issue of privacy is very low down versus yes. access to money. Yes, I'm, access, you know, they're just it's a different. It, it's incredible that uh, the way UPI has impacted the lowest uh, uh, category of income segment of population, the QR payment, that whole interoperability, the whole uh, design where you don't need to depend on a bank app to move money. You can use Google Pay, Phone Pay. Uh, it's just, it has become a, a natural reaction 
if I ask somebody who is driving a taxi or a vegetable vendor how you want to get paid, the response is Google Pay or Beam Pay, whatever they are comfortable with. Now imagine the same uh, vegetable vendor uh, and the food, roadside food stall uh, late in the night don't want to hold on to cash and they now switch into this e-rupee. You have just dramatically gone down to the last mile of financial uh, risk management, uh, safety net, uh, uh, and, and build that resiliency you want. I mean, we are, let me be, be, be uh, I mean, I would not say it's hypothetical anymore. Amount of dependence we have on internet to stay running, to do our financial transactions is just incredibly high. Imagine we, we, there's a breakdown on, on, on internet uh, and you can't access internet. I'm sure a lot of us will get stranded in some street, can't even do payments. Forget about... Uh, so how does this system work? Is it Bluetooth or... I mean, how can I send you money if I'm standing opposite you and we're chatting and I'm like, yeah. here's my two rupees I owe you. How do I send it to you? So, so, so I, well, they're not done in this, uh, this particular phase. But when I spoke to them, I think they're looking at uh, NF NFC as a way to, uh, so we can actually hold uh, the two phone. Uh, we are holding offline uh, e-rupee. We can just communicate. Uh, and you don't need an internet. Uh, and it has got all all this. Uh, when I, I was playing with this thing, I we switched off my internet. I, I went to airplane mode. And I can see all my rupees uh, showing up <laughs> on, the, on that particular uh, uh, wallet. Well, they're not done that uh, offline uh, piece yet, but I can see where it's going. I can see where it's going. I think China has done it, um, but I've not seen it myself, but I've heard China has done the offline payment also. But, but Raul, what I'm trying to say, whatever, whatever has happened to this technology in this crypto space, it has definitely triggered this. And if, you, if, if that didn't exist, this will not come. Let's be, let's 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 pay some respect to the <laughs> to the pioneers who created this journey on uh, tokenizing money uh, in this DLT infrastructure. They have triggered what we see now: the future of payment, especially um, low value, uh, last mile cash intensive uh, sector. And who knows? This can also become a uh, interoperable uh, money uh, cross border. Uh, countries and multiple countries can come into some kind of bilateral relationship and say a multilateral relationship. Look, today we bring dollar cash, you bring uh, multi-currency cash to different countries. You have you go to the local market and exchange money. Maybe this is a way to do uh, some bit of cross-border transfers. So, so I yeah, maybe I, it's an applications layer on top. So yeah, I'm a tourist. Yeah. I come in with my Singapore dollars. Yes, I can flip them into rupees on an app. Yeah, yeah. It's done in seconds. Yes. So that, but but I think that that you can only think those those use case if you take the first step. India, China have taken that first step of doing it. I think that's uh, an encouraging. In fact, Singapore also has started. Uh, we have a project called Project Orchid, uh, but in a very limited use case, mostly on the on the vouchers side. Uh, but I think directionally there is this glimmer of hope that retail CBDC will find its path and relevance in large markets, and that will spill over to smaller market, and then it can become a bit of a global uh, form of money, which you will see um, becoming mainstream in years to come. Um, but again, uh, I was just blown away by this, by this amazing- It's weird, as I said, everybody I see, I just spoke to another friend today who just gone back to Mumbai for the first time in three years, and his jaw was open. He's like, I can't believe what's going on here. Yes, he's like, he just came out of the UK. He's like, the UK feels like 50 <laughs> years in the past suddenly. And this is the role of a public good. How, how did digital public good? I was in the G20. I went to India for a G20 meetings, and one of the, the, the topic of my meeting was uh, the role of digital public good. If countries build highly resilient, interoperable, accessible digital public good, it can bring that amount of innovation in that on that infrastructure and you leave to people's imagination what they can build on it. So there is this, Raul, I would, I would argue, I'll back to our original question, in the, in, the, in the space of DLT, 
there is a desperate if i if i have to headline this discussion today there is a need to find a digital public good in some form on a for a distributed ledger network uh, use case because if you think about payment process didn't become a super success till you saw likes of upi pay now which kind of public digital public good came into 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 production and they created that experience which made payment easier similarly on the dlt space and asset tokenization there is a need for some form of a digital public good and then people can build on top of that use cases so i think this when you look at internet same thing happened it started with the us defense uh, agency putting uh, putting it for public use and internet took its own journey and became a global infrastructure uh, you take talk about gps uh if the satellites were not sent and the gps uh, were not available for public to experiment on it the whole set of application from google maps rode on that infrastructure uh, so i think uh in this space we need a digital public good i don't know what it means i don't know what it look like but there could be a case for this chat gpt who know that will become the next big digital public good on which all the whole set of ai applications will be built When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How are you looking at that? I know because you're a technologist. Yeah, you must but, be going. Oh my God, this is coming. Fast. This is uh, well. I know this is off topic, but I'm fascinated. No, 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 I, Raul, Raul, this is not off topic. I would say it makes sense to think in that same way. AI for long uh, was 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 touted as game changer, but it always had a question mark: how far it can go. but the chat gpt has done something interesting it has created a public good in some form and which means you don't have to build your own models for processing information imagine the and that has created that open api on top That's you right. can build whole set of application i was watching an interview with satya nadal he was talking about a use case in a village in india using chat gpt for language translation and then that that chat gpt is giving us some kind of form instruction you know chat gpt came in in us it has gone to village in india as a use case so you can you can see that uh, how ai will become super super mainstream now i i think we should watch out for the space chat gpt will trigger that that journey so back to our discussion we will require some form of digital public good infrastructure use case to trigger a uh, lot of use case in this space of dlt and tokenizers i'm also interested in how ai is going to fit into the fintech arena overall it feels that something <laughs> what is security's advice anymore by the time these models are trained in 3 years you know it's you know I, again it's I, one of these things where we both say i know it's going to be big but i don't know yet what the hell it could be i i was experimenting with my own name what what question you want to ask to sapneen the what question oh, is is it is it relevant in the new world the the kind of response chat gpt is giving to me i just blown away because uh, it is it is it is it hats off to those those chaps and fintech in particular will find a huge uh a lot of work on fintech which is based on ai may sound suddenly redundant uh because i can go to chat gpt build a question to give me financial advice free of cost i know and that whole industry which was based on ai based financial advisory will suddenly wow we have a public good which can give you a response far more efficient than a closed loop advisory based on a based on a closed loop algorithm proprietary algorithm so you have chat gpt has made a shift 
from a proprietary algorithm, closed group access to an open access. I think what is going to come on top of this is just, uh, I can't imagine. I mean, this is, this is scary for a lot of people like us because <laughs> the job market, uh, oh my goodness. Every, everything, right? I think it's a moment, I'm trying to think of what this is like. It's, it's, it's the internet plus China coming into the WTO. Mm. It's, you know, these, you know, because that changed global wages like this overnight. Yes, yes, it did. Um, this does the same. Yes, we it, need it, to figure out. We first thought, don't forget, the first thing was, well, just get your kids to be musicians or artists or creatives yeah, yeah. or make code. They'll yeah. be fine. The first jobs to go, it was doing artwork. It's doing mm. music. And with the new um, GitHub code version, it writes code. You're like, okay, well, we were completely wrong what the safest job is. <laughs> and I, 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 did it. I, was, I wrote a query that, please write me a, a code for, uh, with the UX for de demonstrating compound interest. In Python, C++, I took a old language, Fortran and COBOL, four languages. It's just stuck, 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 stuck me. It wrote in in seconds. Code. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, 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 it shows the impact it's going to make uh, on, on the whole. I mean, what is education anymore, Sapnander? What is education? Indeed, indeed, indeed. What is it's, certification? What is yeah. a teacher? I don't yeah. even know what a teacher is. And the definition of education, what, what it means to be educated, uh, what difference that you and me, uh, when we go for a job interview, uh, is complete. It will change the definition. I mean, what kind of skills it will have to find new jobs? What the new jobs will look like? Now, what what it can do to, let's say you're in a village in India, you're illiterate because you've not been to school, but you're, you know, you're, you're smart and everything mm -hmm. else. This gives you the same power of knowledge yes, indeed, that you indeed. get yes. being highly educated with a huge experience being in Singapore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the knowledge has just been kind of equalized. You can yeah, both absolutely. code the compound <laughs> interest app in seconds. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you, if I mean, this question, if I have to uh, write, if I'm uh, going to interview you, I go to chat GPT, I'm sure I'll ask, what kind of question will ask Raul? And somebody growing up in a small village in India or wherever in Indonesia can go to same chat GPT, I'll get the same sort of question being laid out. Please ask this question to Raul because that's relevant to him. There's no, there's no intellectual differentiation anymore left there, <laughs> other than the human emotions, you know, that comes with that. But beyond that, uh, it, it is exactly same. Uh, I think uh, robot robotics, which is automating mechanical work, and the algorithm, the brain-related work from Chat GPT, you combine these two things. And also the other thing I think that's part of that stack is part that nexus is the internet of things. Yes. And this, this is where this payment rails comes in yeah. because machine yes. to machine payments, yes. you know, the car will pay the toll road yes. will pay, you know, all of this just happens naturally. So the IOTs comes in it. I think it's in a way, all the component of web 3.0 will suddenly explode uh, in terms of becoming useful. That's right, because uh, it's the transfer mechanism for yeah. all of this. And then this underlying chat GPT infrastructure will push. And this is, I mean, uh, this came from nowhere. <laughs> it's just bang. Uh, and it, 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 it truly says that uh, technology takes its own time. Uh, AI was around for how many years now? And, and, uh, and people from, from, uh, from, this, from those piece of uh, code used to write in college, the expert systems code, and now you're talking about all these algorithms. Now comes chat GPT. You don't need to know all these things. The models are being built behind it. So that journey took multi decades to get here. So it also takes uh, philosophically uh, uh, the discussion to where DLT and tokenization of assets will go. It will stay in this kind of experiment, setbacks, challenges, question mark, bad product, bad behavior, bad exploiter of technology. But if it survives that, that piece of journey or survives that history of, of, of ups and down, we, we will be talking perhaps in a couple of years saying this, where did this come from? Um, what's his name from Microsoft who just said the same thing? He's like, 
oh, you know, it's waiting for its Cambrian explosion. Yes, that yes, moment, yes. that open Cambrian, AI, yes. Yes, stability yes. AI moment, he's like, yes. hasn't yes. happened yet. Yes. We believe it's coming. It's coming. And 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 I, I have I have that definitely Chat GPT has has proven that one moment of and I'm back to my argument, it is the public good component which will make the biggest transformation. You take internet, you take uh, uh, the example of uh, GPS, you take example of in the payment side, in the financial side, the role of public infrastructure like UPI, pay now, stuff like that. Uh, now you, you get into this chat GPT. So there will be this public, digital public good, which will create the necessary incentive to scale up applications into unimaginable uh, possibilities. So, uh, what a time so, to be alive, eh? What a so time to be alive. But Raul, I think we should thank uh, to all uh, to this to this op- good news piece of good news. When technology is looking like oh, we're in the bad phase, this came as a big uh, savior to this whole narrative. Has technology lost its uh, way? No, I think it is coming back in a much bigger. Yeah, because as you know, the technology cycle takes a lot of investment, a lot of experimentation. Yes. And it looks terrible. It's always that slope. And then it yes. does this. Nobody yeah. believes it. And before you know it, that step change happens. You're yeah. like, oh, my um, God. Amount of money, amount of failure in AI space is unaccounted, unaccounted for many ways. But you see them for decades, people have put money behind AI. And they're all kind of left. They're all kind of left with this. Oh, OK, we did. We got something. But never that wow moment. But all that effort, technology effort, business, the AI models effort, all have accumulated to create this wonderful piece of technology now, which you see as chat. I think it is it is wonderful to see uh, that uh, things uh, are history is repeating itself in proving that don't dismiss technology for its uh, immediate bad narrative. You, you don't know. Yeah, technology anybody. is not the price of technology. It's not the share yeah. price. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, technology it, 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 drives on relentlessly. Yeah, it it will push through, and uh, I'm 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 hoping the same happens in in the space also in the DLT space. Despite uh, all this massive, massive, massive bad behavior on the market, the participants, uh, this whole bad news. I think somehow I feel I felt that uh, entrepreneurs in this space. Uh, took where were way ahead of themselves uh, in creating a market value where foundational thinking was has not yet matured. I think I think that mismatch of of exuberance and optimism ran way ahead of its, its underlying philosophy, tech stack, business processes, which is driving that future impact. And when you have that. Uh, market speculators take advantage of the situation and they just create a bubble of hope. And and just, and what happened uh, in 2023 is precisely that that the bubble was 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 uh, was taken to to cleaners. <laughs> you know, and that's a that in itself cleanses mm. bad actors. Yes, bad uses of capital. Yes. concentrates the capital into the project. You know, this is how things get built, right? It's it, the creative in, destruction. In a strange way, I would say that the the desire to make it believable by making it centralized was cause of the failure. I mean, of course it was. Yeah, right? You know, the original construct of a decentralized where nobody has an influence on the outcome and people shifted to a centralized model saying that, trust me, it's a cause of a failure. Yeah, because DeFi didn't fail because yeah. it's a smart contract. It's a computer program. It just does its yes. thing. Yes, it was so, the humans that failed, as always. It, it, and, and the human and the, and the desire of the uh, to make it make it acceptable that there's a centralized infrastructure which is managing this process, so that we are comfortable with that idea, is the root cause of this downfall of of, of bad and and this way it allowed bad actor to participate. And I think, yeah, enough has been said. Uh, but if I have to sum up in my head uh, the 2023 uh, uh, moment in the history, uh, I think when we look back maybe three, four years from now, I think you would say, I pre- your thanks it happened so early. 
it didn't take it, it didn't take uh, more money and more investments and uh, more down the line to to have that and it's going to be fun, fascinating in your seats to see whether you see more defi businesses coming Definitely. to singapore to build because there's they build on top of this applications layer they dovetail in yeah. with what all of yes. these things we're talking about i think that so, is a big thing yeah it will pick up defi you're going to pick up as long as you do not contaminate the monetary policy exactly. <laughs> system, uh, because you, I, mean, I think too many front were opened up same time. You are doing DeFi, you are trying to issue a, a currency, uh, you know, so many things are happening same time. I think that uh, there's a need to, if I had in hindsight, this looks more, more through hindsight uh, thinking, I think the, the the less of indulgence should have happened on the coins, on the currency. More effort should have gone in building the infrastructure, the use cases, the comfort with this new way of doing things. And probably down, line, down the line, some form of money could have been created to experiment with this kind of infrastructure. It was all in hindsight. And I think uh, that leaves us with some stable coin story there. Because uh, uh, Singapore's uh, uh, thinking has been, uh, it is okay to look at a well-regulated stablecoin uh, as a form of money, uh, if that is required uh, for certain use case, uh, as long as it is well-regulated. I think we're still looking at uh, what policies, regulation required to make it well-regulated, but we have not... Uh, dismissed it as bad as the privately issued coin uh it's still a work in progress uh, but i would say uh stable coin when, when uh, you talk it, about i just want to clarify when you're talking about the privately issued coins where are you thinking specifically you talked about bitcoin and you know yeah. using that as part of yeah, yeah. currency like we don't we're not comfortable because it's it's separate what else fits into that kind of bucket so Maybe the other would answer the question the other way is better. It excludes utility coin, uh, the Ethereum kind of coin. It excludes uh, stable coin. It excludes CBDCs. Uh, it excludes a token which represents asset. Rest is privately issued coin uh, in that falls, falls in that category. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, so that ones how, that don't really have an applications layer yeah, on top, yeah, so they just yes. exist as they are. They are and, and, and the native so, uh, currency within a network, uh, trying to be like a money, playing a role of a money. I think that uh, is definitely a red line for almost every every jurisdiction today, uh, and uh, and that will remain uh, in that state for years to come. Um, so yeah, so that's 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 uh, what the market has kind of left with after this massive uh, correction. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. Well, uh, it happens. I mean, we have seen in history uh, such thing happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been in this space since 2013. This is the third, third or fourth time around where we've seen it because mm. it's very nascent. Listen, as ever, a fantastic conversation, wide-ranging, lots of interesting stuff. And, you know, again, let's see where we are next year because... Uh, yeah, well, Raul, uh, just uh, just to, uh, to your viewers, uh, I want to leave with something op optimistic uh, mm. to look forward to. Uh, I was, uh, I mean, you know, we do this uh, Singapore FinTech Festival. We are, we are never shy of picking topics which may not be any more mainstream or questioned by the mainstream. And uh, this year, we are going to examine some of this technology issues, challenges, future thinking in 2024 in three of our platform and in in fact uh in june we are i hope i will get you there uh in rwanda we're going to explore uh the impact of uh, te financial technology in truly making it inclusive for everyone in this planet so we're looking at looking at rwanda as a place to deeply examine the role of fintech in financial inclusion a week later after that we'll be in zurich and that's the place Perhaps that's the last possible uh, public forum where we will bring the whole crypto discussion uh, back into a, a, a debate of how to go forward in Zurich in the Point Zero Forum. And I, I'm looking to build a set of topics in Zurich 
to really critically examine what is bad, what has gone bad, and what is the residual uh, topic left for us to pick up and move forward. That is going to happen in Point Zero Forum. And back in the end of the year at the, at the, at the Singapore FinTech Festival, uh, we will re rebuild what has been, uh, what rebuild the whole narrative more like a future stack in this space. So still hope is there. Uh, 2023 will, will perhaps give us that opportunity to reflect. And in this three platform, we will bring the public narrative back in the space. That's why I love what you do. You're, you're always very open. You're trying new stuff. You speak to people. You don't mind to have difficult discussions and have an open yeah. and listen to people. It's amazing. So, you know, Thanks any way me. I can help you as ever, just let me know. And, yeah. uh, I um, hope to have you in Singapore this time. Uh, I, you please do plan your trip uh, so that yeah, we can get to. I need to get dates early and then I need to get it sorted yeah. out. Please do. Thank, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. As ever, my friend, fantastic to see you. Thank you. You know, it's it's clear from from chatting to Sopnendu about what's just happened in 2022 was a big shock to a lot of people because, you know, People like himself have been working very hard on getting this technology adopted at various infrastructure parts of the global economy, and it's stepped back. But in the end, you know, it's amazing because we see all of this, and then he goes on a trip to India, and he comes back with his eyes wide open saying, oh, my God. It's kind of like he's rediscovered it all over again. And that AI moment that I think is also coming too. We don't know where it's going to come from. And he's opened my eyes to that maybe this comes from government level. And I've talked a lot about how powerful these CBDCs are. And I know many people think, oh my God, this is terrible. But it might actually unlock everything. Let's see how it all goes. It's going to be fascinating to see where this plays out. And we'll catch up with him in a year's time to swap stories again.